1: Hello and welcome to 4th Estate, a show about journalism. We're coming to you from 2SER in Sydney, on the Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network, and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. I'm Toby Hemmings. One of the big stories of the week was the reunification of folk legends Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, an event that would have previously been thought impossible. But the rockers didn't put aside their long-standing beef for a concert. Instead, they reunited to pull their music from Spotify. The Swedish platform is grappling with the popularity of Joe Rogan. Rogan, a former UFC commentator and comedian, is a wildly popular podcaster who inked an exclusive deal of around $100 million with Spotify in 2020 but the streamer also paid for Rogan's baggage, his alternative views. His frequent promotion of vaccine information is what has led musicians such as Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young and Joni Mitchell to pull their music from the platform. The whole issue is illustrative of how big podcasts have gotten. Around 11 million people listen to each Joe Rogan episode. And on-demand audio in general has only grown during the pandemic. So what makes podcasts so popular? Can podcasting retain its democratic roots when big players throw money at celebrities? And should the industry be more regulated, like its lateral broadcast cousin, radio? Today, I'm joined by two podcasting experts. Siobhan McHugh is Honorary Associate Professor in Media and Communications at the University of Sydney and the author of The Power of Podcasting, Telling Stories Through Sound. James Cridland is the editor of Pod News, a daily podcast newsletter. He's also a radio futurologist, a writer, consultant, and public speaker on radio's future. Siobhan, James, welcome to Fourth Estate.
2: Hello. It's great to be here.
1: Let's start with a, a bit of a brief explainer for the uninitiated about what's drawn us all together for our conversation today. Uh, James, I might get you to explain who is the Mysterious Joe Rogan and why is his podcast so popular?
0: Well, uh, he is an uh, ex-UFC commentator, which is some form of uh, sport where people hit people uh, in the US, uh, and also a stand-up comedian, and he's been producing podcasts now for 10 years and last year, Spotify um, spent uh, a reported $100 million in buying up his podcast, which was already incredibly popular, and making that an exclusive on the Spotify platform. Uh, he's popular because, well, there's an interesting question. Uh, he's popular because he he interviews a ton of people. He produces an awful lot of uh, content, and those shows are sometimes two and a half, three hours long. Um, and, um, you know, sometimes talks to people like Elon Musk, um, sometimes gets Elon Musk to smoke various interesting things, um, sometimes talks to the more controversial people. uh, And that's really what's got him into the trouble that he's been having over the last week or so.
1: And, And what is that trouble? That trouble is regarding some of the stuff he's been saying about COVID.
0: Yeah, so he has had a... A number of different people on his podcast who don't necessarily share the same view as mainstream um, COVID. Uh, People do, uh, which is one way of putting it. Neil Young, for example, a very famous Canadian musician. uh, He was so incensed with what Joe Rogan had on his podcast that he said that he wanted his music removed from Spotify. Didn't want to share a platform with Joe Rogan and said that uh, what Joe Rogan was doing was, uh, and I'm quoting, dangerous, life-threatening COVID falsehoods. Um, And the chief of the World Health Organization has also criticised Spotify um, and thanked Neil Young for standing up against misinformation and inaccuracies around COVID-19 vaccination. So really, you know, what's been said is, um, and, and you know and it's difficult to uh, report on this in a um, in a balanced way but clearly joe rogan has been amplifying some non-mainstream views about um, the vaccine um, which uh, some people have been saying is probably um, not necessarily being um, entirely right in terms of the influence that joe rogan has particularly to younger people um, who are less likely to get uh, vaccinated anyway and um, and uh, and in terms of some of the information that he's uh, sharing, he's not necessarily doing it with the journalistic r- r- rigour that you would expect um, if you were listening to perhaps other podcasts and radio shows.
1: I mean, it's quite interesting given the reach. And when you think about the episodes, I, I mean, a lot of them are around about two to three hours long. So what I might bring you in here, as someone who's been working in podcasting for a while, what do those numbers sound like to you just on their face? you know
2: Well, frankly, uh, inconceivable from from my point of view, because I'm not in that mega end of the podcasting industry at all. I'm in the sort of investigative journalism slash storytelling slash um community bleeding heart even kind of end of podcasting the personal storytelling end that's really where my my passion lies personally uh but what does connect those two extremes if you like I think and brings us back to Joe Rogan is the power of the host in podcasting the link really is the relationship between the host and the listeners this very strong parasocial relationship, we call it, which was also there in radio days between radio presenters and their audiences, but it's intensified by the podcasting medium because people are listening in earbuds and via headphones so that the host is speaking directly into their ears and also the uh, relationship is not mediated by the more formal gatekeepers that you had in broadcasting institutions like the ABC or the BBC. It's just you and the podcast host. And that is an enormously powerful relationship that people are analysing now, for instance, in the advertising end of things, because it's hugely monetizable, as Rogan has shown.
1: Do you think then is there much separation between somebody like Joe Rogan and say what maybe Alan Jones or John Laws would have been uh, in Australia at the peak of their powers
2: well in 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 one sense there 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 is a parallel in that they 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 all uh, are not from the stable of journalism I mean James was mentioning poor journalism, but Rogan sidesteps uh, his content uh, standard issues by saying he's not a journalist, he's a stand-up comedian. And uh, Jones and Laws call themselves entertainers rather than journalists. And this is interesting about podcasting that it is not just the preserve of journalists or indeed of media professionals. All kinds of people are getting into it because the level of technical skill required while still um the, you know important is not anything like as difficult as getting to be uh, on television for instance so i think that's an interesting aspect of the democratizing um power of podcasting that you can be an artist or a hobbyist or an activist or even a brand and you can you can find a niche for yourself whether you'll be heard by anybody is another matter
1: mm. i mean it does seem as though podcasting, it's fairly democratic, or it was to begin with, you know, uh, for example, at the end of this show, I'll say wherever you get your podcasts, as opposed to one specific channel where you can find them, uh, you know, there's, there seems to be, quite an openness in terms of who can make a podcast, but also where you can find said podcast. James, do you think that Spotify has been trying to, with the amount of money that's been paying recently for people like Joe Rogan, has been trying to present itself as where the hub, you should head to us to listen to your podcasts?
0: yeah that's most certainly what spotify is uh, aiming at i mean i think spotify is very different to the world of broadcast radio and the world of you know alan jones and um, and ray hadley um because anyone can get in to podcasting and anyone can be on the same platform i'm on spotify as well as joe rogan as well as many other people and i think that's the big difference in the past you used to have that gate the gatekeeper of the program director of you know whether or not it was uh, the amount of training that you had you know all of that kind of area now literally anybody can be on the same platform and i think that that's um, something that we tend to, you know, to forget about in terms of uh, why podcasting is as successful, um, you know, as it is. And I think certainly when you have a look at what Spotify is trying to do, they are trying to be the de facto number one place where you go and get your podcasts.
1: Do you think that platforms do then need to bring in this type of regulation, you know, to to make sure that uh, certain well, I mean, that, that people who are positing themselves as entertainers don't have their stock and trade in misinformation that may be entertaining.
0: I think regulation is a very difficult thing. Um, because actually at the end of the day, you you know, there's lots of people talking about the First Amendment, of course, in terms of free speech. That's got nothing to do with Spotify because Spotify is a private company. But once you start looking at regulation, well, how would you end up doing that? How would you end up policing the amount of podcasts? There are now more than four million podcasts out there um, at the end of RSS feeds. How on earth would you able to um to monitor what is said on all of those the difference here with joe rogan is that he is being paid for by spotify and therefore published by spotify whereas um, in the past some of the other uh, more questionable podcasts alex jones being um being an example no relation at least not, not to my knowledge um he was um, in inverted commas deplatformed from Apple Podcasts because he was saying all kinds of uh, weird and, and, and wonderful things. Now, uh, Apple Podcasts can deplatform somebody, but that doesn't make that podcast go away. It's still available at the end of an RSS feed. It's still available in most podcast apps. Um, so regulation is difficult. Where where it gets a little bit easier here is that Spotify should be in in editorial control of what Joe Rogan does on his podcast, because Spotify pay for it at the end of the day.
1: I want to talk about mm. uh, something that I found really interesting in preparing for the show was I went through the Spotify Daily Uh, charts for what their most listened to podcasts are. The Joe Rogan style, where it is interviews, long form, unvarnished audio. And I guess I wanted to ask you, Siobhan, with this, again, unvarnished audio, as someone who's worked in sound design and making sure that audio stories are really neatly crafted with certain sounds, what do you think the appeal then of a more unvarnished conversation is for a listener? Is it about that search for authenticity not only in the host but in how it all sounds
2: yeah i think that that's a, a part of it you know we can sound a bit hokey and and ho- down home and, and and whatever and it will it will make us uh, just have that uh, person next door appeal or whatever i mean i still think that People are making a mistake if they don't get the basic tech right. And by that, I mean literally to be able to be heard, to be on mic, not to sound like you're coming from the back of a room. Because, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just that my ears have been trained to listen for um, well-produced audio. But I, I cannot imagine that it would be more pleasant to hear people speaking off mic than on. And so I can only surmise that people do the off mic thing because they don't know any better. But my view is that they are squandering half the intimacy that audio can confer by the simple uh, negligence of having people properly produced in front of a microphone. You know, the further away from the mic you get, usually, uh, the, the, the less warm the voice sounds, the less present the voice sounds. I mean, we know this just in, in, in ordinary life. Think of somebody whispering into your ear or speaking to you across the table closely compared to somebody yelling out from a, from, from the bus stop, you know? I mean, there are different qualities of conversations. And I just don't know how people can listen for an hour or an hour and a half to people who all sound like they're in a bathroom somewhere. Um, And I've heard podcasts like that. But on the other hand, what is going against that or what is uh, competing with that is people's desire to hear kindred spirits and to feel part of a club and part of a group and in a niche. And that is certainly something that will, to some degree, compensate for the poor quality. So if you're a left-handed crocheter, and there's only 200 of you in the world you're going to be really glad to find the other 199 um, no matter how they sound and i think that's where the kind of long tail of podcasting is operating
1: i mean building out from that podcasting has really uh, seen a fair bit of growth during this pandemic period of isolation hasn't it james
0: It has. Yeah, there's been growth in both listening and also growth, of course, in production as well. There was a particularly large, strong growth of production of new shows in about June or July of last year, as people realised that this pandemic was going to go on for a while and that they could make podcasts from home. Uh, So, you know, that that's been interesting seeing the latest figures are that uh, 37 percent of Australians listen to a podcast at least once a month. Um, which is a figure that's not too Dissimilar from where the U.S. Uh, is at forty-one uh, percent, so you know clearly the, there's a lot of listening uh, to that. I think there are differences in between radio listening and podcast listening that um, that do you know lead to differences in what the content is. Um, one of those differences is that at the moment, probably fifty percent of your of, of your listeners are listening to you with other people, which means that fifty percent aren't. Um, if you look at podcasting 90% of people are having a listen alone and they're typically using headphones rather than anything else it's a much more intimate medium Uh, is the the first thing
2: James interestingly on that because I find that fascinating too that that 90% figure but interestingly um, in figures from the US that look at both the Latino and the black communities they are more like around the 47% to 50% from memory that that, that that listen alone, that almost half of those communities prefer to listen as a family, it seems, or in group situations.
0: There is an awful lot of research, but the research is... Uh, quite often compiled in different ways and compiled in different places, um, but certainly you know you, you you can see that there is a that there's um, f- for the majority of podcast listening there is a very intimate uh, feeling you know on that and th- and that's and that's interesting because I think you can get away with things that are more shocking more polarizing if it's something where you're not sitting you know, next to your partner or next to your children and being slightly embarrassed about what's being said. Um, and so perhaps that does mean that podcasting uh, can be sometimes a little bit more, um, you know, polarizing than uh, other forms of media um, uh, are quite apart from, of course, the fact of, of uh, the, the lack of regulation there. So I think that that certainly does you know, make it make a difference. I think the other difference, of course, is that we've grown up with mass media, which has been very um, conditioned to be, you know, the same sorts of people. Um, You know, you you very rarely get um, people who are on the fringes doing things in mass media, because it doesn't necessarily work too well. Whereas in podcasting, um uh you know you can talk about podcasting as being as being very much niche broadcasting you know it's it's niche casting it's uh, talking to a very uh small community but a community of of uh, common interest which uh, of course isn't a great way of using an fm uh l- l- license so you know, so I think you can uh, see that podcasting could be a little bit more uh, polarising and a little bit more reactionary um, just because of its very, of, of the very fundamentals of uh, how it's consumed.
1: Yeah, that that could potentially also account for the types of true crime that are also very popular, which, you know, trade in something a bit gory that you might want not want to be sitting next to Nana and listening to en masse. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, We've also seen that as these audiences have come forward, news outlets have also seen the value of podcasting. We've seen, uh, you know, not just this uh, established narrative journalism side of uh, certain news outlets. I'm thinking the AFR's the sure thing I'm thinking of. Uh, Bowerville from The Australian, I believe. Uh, but we're also seeing from certain outlets news headline or uh, news headlines, so three-minute-long headlines that can be played through your podcast player or uh, taking an article or an issue and having it explained to you via a journalist. Do you think that we're seeing news outlets look at podcasting and think maybe we should dip our toes in a bit further into this world and, and expand our audience through this?
2: Oh, God, yeah. I mean, look, the Daily from the New York Times had people foaming at the mouth, trying to work out, uh, news organizations trying to work out how to basically make their own copy and cash in on the huge appetite that that demonstrated for narrative news. Um, And that was a kind of a hybrid that was launched in February 2017 by a a guy, Michael Barbaro, hosting who had never had any real exposure to audio, but they had very polished people in the production end and they knew the tricks and the theories and the practice of how to do good uh, packaged audio storytelling. And so, I mean, I loved The Daily. I became addicted to The Daily when it it started. And I think it has now got to four million listeners per episode, roughly. Uh, and I think there was, there was a Reuters report recently that said that that news hybrid or narrative, uh, short narrative uh, news packages was the most um, practiced format. James can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but it's certainly a very popular format that people all over Europe and the US and indeed here we've seen it as well. Uh, the ABC tried to get for a youth audience with the signal, which has now been dropped. Um, full story is happening at the Guardian. We've got 7am doing a blatant copy as I tweeted at the time, almost down to the music being tonally very similar, but they, you know, there's, it was, um, th- th- there's no real law against copying a kind of a form. So they went for it, and good luck to them. And they did it actually very well because they incorporated audio archive as well as and actuality as well as just mm. it wasn't just a talking newspaper. I think that was the secret to the Daily, and that's the secret as well as having a, an engaging host.
0: So, yeah, and uh, and certainly you know having a look at what the ABC have now produced, they produced a new. Uh, podcast called ABC News Daily, which again sounds identical to the to the New York Times Daily, uh, almost in terms of the name and the music and the format. You know, with um, you know quite nicely produced uh, interviews with ABC journalists interwoven with um, bits of archive uh, content. So again, I, I and and. Um, part of the reason that uh, people are doing this is that daily podcasts, of course, mean more ad impressions. You can get um, you can get five times the ads away if you're producing five times the shows, so that's a good start. But also, secondly, they are trying to um, eke away in terms of radio because radio. Um, really exists today because of the high amount of habitual listening. You'll wake up every morning, you'll listen to to SER or you'll listen to ABC Radio Sydney or whatever it is that you'll have a listen to. That's a very habitual thing. And um, podcast producers have realised that if they can pull those people away and get them to listen to podcasts instead then they really benefit out of that and there's also another you know obvious benefit Um, if you're producing a great breakfast show that's three hours of audio which is quite difficult to do in a really good way every single day if you're producing something like the abc news daily then you're producing 20 minutes Mm. Uh, you've probably got the same amount of staff working on that it's probably going to sound pretty good um, and so the difference um, uh, there is I think you can make something sounding really good that um, could well be a new habit that your audience can actually get into instead of you know diving in and uh, having having a listen to a random 15 or 20 minutes of, of uh, RN breakfast.
1: It does feel as though um, that producers are trying to simplify those habitual emotions. You know, you think that, uh, well, you'd want to set up a home a Google Home or an Alexa or something to play the podcast at the time that normally your clock radio would kick into gear, for example. Do you think also, though, that we've talked a bit about how every, the format of all of these journalism ones are very heavily cribbed from the New York Times as the Daily. Do you think that maybe find a new way of of doing it of breaking that mold which sounds like an insane thing to say given it's only been around for what like nearly mm-hmm. five years uh,
2: you know you you remember the way that um, long-form journalism print journalism reinvented itself in the 60s and 70s with people like hunter s thompson and truman capote and that wave of literary journalism that is actually potentially happening again now they're starting to do new york university is developing an audio uh, literary reportage course which will take the creme de la creme the people who are the best storytellers they can find who would normally have written books or maybe made documentary film and they're actually orienting them towards crafting them into audio reportage so i think knowing now, now that people have got an appetite for audio and have recognised what it can bring that is unique, that sense of heightened intimacy that we've talked about, that I think people will start to respond to that and become more creative in their responses and in how they tell stories, whether that be uh, stories that are based in journalism or fiction indeed. Uh, You know, audio fiction is, is booming as well. And and I find that um, very exciting.
1: I might bring you in, James. Uh, Do you think that we're going to see a resurgence in, or maybe a growth in long-form audio um, that, uh, you know, Siobhan's kind of hinted at with her answer?
0: Yeah, I I would certainly add to what Siobhan was saying. I mean, obviously, you know, she's been involved in a number of um, long-form reportage type podcasts, The Last Voyage of the Pong Su or uh, Phoebe's Fall as two examples. But of course, you've also got, um, you know, obvious examples like uh, Serial, which uh, certainly in season one was a really good way of telling a particular story about a particular person in a way that we'd never heard in the past. Those sorts of documentaries are quite difficult to hear on the radio because, you know, you can't necessarily assume that the same person is going to be having a listen to, you know, episode five that had to listen to episode four at this time last week and everything else. So all of that works much better in terms of a podcast, you know, outlet. Um, And I think, you know, the beauty about podcasting is that um, there are formats for everything, you don't have to sit and go, okay, this is going out on RN. It must be 58 minutes long uh, or 55 minutes long, and that's it. Um, and it must be uh, announced in this particular way with this particular sort of style. If you listen to anything from NPR, it's all done with the same style of voice and everything else. And actually, the beauty about podcasting is that there's none of that. There's none of those style guidelines. There's none of those um, station sound conversations that you need to have. So you can actually jump in and do all kinds of things. You were saying earlier as well, in terms of uh, smart speakers and things, There are specific shows, particularly here in Australia, that have been produced because they work really well on a smart speaker. Um, uh, The uh, the Pod News newsletter that I do, which is uh, every single day on email, also has a podcast uh, attached to it, 50%. Of the plays of that podcast are on a uh, smart speaker. Um, as people are getting up, they're getting ready for work. They ask, you know, Google or Alexa or whoever it might be, you know, what's in the news. And uh, lots of people have programmed Pod News in as one of those uh, news uh, sources. So I think there's there's all kinds of uh, of, um, of options here. And I think what's exciting is actually seeing. You know, an incredible range instead of, you know, a, a, a quick interview followed by a couple of um, enraged callers on the telephone, which is what most radio has, um, you know, rewound itself to actually being able to sit and enjoy an eight part, um, you know, narrative piece of, of uh, journalism um, about uh, something that you didn't know about pre- previously is really exciting, I think.
1: It seems fitting to ask you both, what have you been listening to in the podcast space or the on-demand space that has really excited you or made you feel positively about where we're heading? And I might start with you, Siobhan.
2: Well, one podcast that has excited me recently is called Shithole Country. And they blank out the um, SHIT in that weird way that Americans do with sanitizing fairly mild uh, expletives like that. But it is basically a sort of essay memoir of a Ghanaian-American woman uh, called Afia, who, which is not her real name. And she explores the whole notion of being uh, an un documented migrant or not not yet a citizen um, from a very personal point of view and of course the title derives from Donald Trump's uh, disparaging comments about Haiti and other and other countries including uh, where she's from Ghana and it's really fresh and interesting It introduces us to her family, but mostly to her ambivalence about her dual identity and dual allegiances. And then there's a very interesting narrative twist at the end, because a lot of podcasts disappoint with their ending. They run out of steam and that's a cardinal sin, but this one doesn't. So that's great. And for anybody who hasn't found it, have you heard George's podcast is a fantastic mashup of all kinds of genres that really it's been going now it's into i think it's third season and ironically has been picked up by the BBC as a radio program now so it's moved from podcast to radio which is really interesting and it's a mashup of of poetry of hip hop of documentary of dramatizations it's wonderful that's, that's two for you, one from the U.K., one from the U.S. And, of course, coming up, if I could just plug The Greatest Menace, which is a podcast I've been working on, hosted by Patrick Abud, whom you, you probably know from the feed and the project. And it's, it's an amazing story, a kind of queer true crime story about a gay prison. I, I will not reveal where it is, but it all comes out intertwined with Pat's very moving personal story as an Arab Australian gay man
1: wow that sounds fascinating not only a great plug but a great story as well um james how about <laughs> you
0: oh um i would recommend two at the moment uh there's one uh which is uh far less uh cerebral than anything that uh, siobhan has mentioned uh one called news fighters which is put together by dylan bain who is a uh, video editor in uh sydney and it's um and it's a look back at uh, the week in uh, news, um, told essentially with lots of jokes and lots of clips of um, of uh, TV uh, news. Well worth uh, a listen and very enjoyable. Uh, and the other one, which I always mention, and to be honest, I should probably move on from this, but it was such a wonderful show. And yes, it's a it's a true crime show as well. Death in Ice Valley, which the BBC made along with uh, NRK in Norway, mm-hmm. and. Um, it, it, it's a wonderful piece of uh, of uh, audio for two reasons firstly because you know it's a really interesting story and it's told fantastically well but it's also told in a very interesting way where they have deliberately built in uh, a lot of um, audience participation in the story uh, it's an unsolved um, uh, crime as many of these uh, things are but it's done in a very atmospheric and very beautiful way and it's a uh, well worth a listen. I was I was so excited. I was speaking at a conference in uh, Stockholm, of all places, in a brewery, uh, which is always a good thing. Um, and um, Marit Hilgraff, who is the uh, the announcer from uh, Norway, was there to talk about that particular podcast. And it was a thrill <laughs> to meet her after after li- listening, you know, again and again to the to the individual shows. So um, that's a wonderful thing if you haven't yet uh, found it. But newsfighters from Dylan Bain is also very good, even if it will make you a little bit angry as to what's going on in this country.
1: Mm. Uh, No, great. I hadn't heard of either of them. It's always great to get additional recommendations. Um, To both of you, thank you so much for joining me here on Fourth Estate.
0: It's a great pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: On that note, I'd like to thank Siobhan McHugh and James Cridland for being on 4th Estate. And thank you for listening to the programme. This edition was recorded at the studios of 2SER in Sydney and heard across the country on the Community Radio Network. 4th Estate is produced with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Thanks to the foundation for their continuing support. Make sure you subscribe to 4th Estate on your favourite podcast app so you can hear us talk about media, Politics and a whole lot in between. We'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Twitter. Our handle is Fourth Estate AU. Thanks to executive producer Anthony Dockrell. My name's Toby Hemmings. Thanks for listening.